0: What's up everybody, happy Friday, it's your boy, ex nfler turned yogi, Eben Britton, it's absolutely excellent to be with you on this magnificent day we have before us, I hope this finds you standing in your highest greatness for the greatest good of the universe, living in your power, living in your truth, expressing that divine vibration emanating from the center of your soul, we need it. So today's episode is a powerful one. It's with my soul brother, Phil Demers, a.k.a. the Walrus Whisperer. He is in year eight of his battle with Marineland, the sea world of Canada, over his beloved walrus, Smooshy. If you have, you may or may not have been following along, I got to meet Phil through my experience on Hotboxing. He's been on Joe Rogan a number of times. He was recently on TMZ and he's really just a warrior for the truth. He's a warrior for the voiceless, a champion of truth and authenticity. I don't know how else to say it. He's a, he's a complete inspiration to me. I love him to death. And he's he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the experience of living out your destiny and you might think that a guy who is in who has been in a constant legal battle but not only that uh a complete roller coaster of harassment and intimidation by a corporation he's because he is so anchored in his truth and his belief of of what he's doing and his life's work on this planet in this lifetime. He stands unafraid, courageous in the face of the fire-breathing dragon. And that's really the essence of what this episode is all about. So I think you guys will all enjoy it and get something out of it. It's very powerful. I was super jacked up coming out of it, and I know you guys will be too. So before I send you off to jam this app. Ep- If you're down with the fantastic fungi, head over to wake.net. Use code EBBINFLOW to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. It's great stuff. Lion's mane, cordyceps, reishi, turkey tail, comprehensive health blend. I use these mushrooms in my morning coffee. It's fantastic. Um, It's good stuff. To support me in this podcast... Head over to your favorite podcast platform, rate it, review it, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. That means the world. The other way you can support me in this show, head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain and become a member. There's a few tiers. You get bonus ebb and flow content, guided meditations, workout videos my coffee recipe and much more i greatly appreciate you guys as always it's a it's an absolute blessing to be on this journey with y'all so without further ado this is my brother phil demers on the ebb and flow podcast i'll see y'all on the flip side peace you have unlocked the eternal link to internal source the key of imagination is the ebb and flow Phil we're rolling brother hey dude it's so good to see you again first of all just start with that
1: yeah man same as always I'm always excited to have this uh to have our catch up and in fact I uh I today mentioned on Instagram live that we were, we were going to do a podcast and you know, there was a lot of people that immediately like, Oh, Brits. Oh dude, Evan. Oh dude, what the, that's going to be so great. They were like immediately stoked. I'm like, people feel us. And they know that this is uh this is always going to be a fun conversation. So again, I'm, a, I'm always stoked to to catch up with you. So me good too, times.
0: me too, bro. You were just starting, you just said uh, something that's so true is how, when we did our first, the last time we t- we talked, COVID was kind of just rolling. I don't know when was that, May or June or. I'm I'm trying
1: to think when it was exactly too, and it's it's got to be in and around then. Because oh no, wait, had I been had I was I injured yet? I think I was injured. You- so then. I don't think
0: you you hadn't had your fucking foot-shattering event.
1: Yet. Well, then, then in that case, it's before September for sure. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was definitely before September. But how this Zooming, now it's, now it's the go-to for everybody, which is kind of cool because I think it makes the fluidity of business and the opportunities more vast. Um, I still enjoy human connection. But, you know, when you're fucking all the way over there where you are in Canada and I'm here in L.A., it's good to just be able to connect with you by any means necessary.
1: You think about the impact of this has moving forward, just all of the revelations of and and the evolutions of life moving forward as a result of this. And you wonder what becomes of infrastructure, what becomes of these otherwise huge meeting places and and places where we used to just all congregate to, which are now just obsolete. People are learning to to stay home and to be quite efficient at it. And businesses are operating and finding a way and they're finding efficiencies and this and that. What happens to these skeletal remains of these businesses that we literally wrap society around?
0: It's interesting, man. My wife is, she has an office at WeWork. And WeWork was already going into the shitter. But COVID has completely made we work obsolete. Like her building is just about completely empty. There's four floors of offices in this big building out down in Burbank and she's one there she's on a floor with there's probably, there's got to be 50 offices. She's one of three people
1: that's still in their office. Jesus just walking around in like skeletal remains, man. Yeah. It's dude. crazy. Yeah. It's totally. crazy. And there's these there's this max exodus not only in businesses, but now people are realizing like, why the hell would I live downtown in a shoebox right. when I can get the hell a lot of college? <laughs> like, and so now society is endure is is I think we don't know yet the magnitude of shift we are already amidst, and we won't know it until we are our full swing. But at that point, there will be such Uh, there will be such a change happening that there will be no ability for them to adapt, to catch up. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's it's two separate ideas and they're conflicting and going in opposite directions that when does it materialize into its next thing? And what does that look like? Ah, man, I wonder.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting, dude. It's really interesting. I mean, take that to, I mean, your whole realm that you live, that you fucking live and breathe and fight in the realm of zoos and aquariums. Are these things going to go, what are we going to do? What are, I mean, are people going to, I mean, we've already been seeing, sensing the inhumanity of keeping these wild, beautiful creatures cooped up in these tiny pens. But now it's like people I mean, whatever you want to say about COVID, it's definitely, there are definitely people out there who have been so affected to their core by COVID that they'll probably spend the rest of their lives walking around with a mask on and being afraid of other people for the simple idea that you're this toxic, uh, contagion vehicle. And so, you know, fewer and fewer people are going to be willing to go and do things like go to the zoo. I mean, I I had already as a parent, I, I had already kind of before COVID had crossed into the world of, you know, I don't know if I want my daughter. I mean, obviously the zoo was a huge experience for me as a kid, but at the same time, I don't know if I, I don't really agree with keeping these animals in these tiny cages, you know? And
1: prior to COVID, the world was moving at such a speed and at such a rate that we didn't Really think about it. There, we, uh-huh, we gave it some uh-huh. thought and some time, and then now that that the vast majority of the people have had to like reassess and had some give it some time to think about it while they sat in you know really small environments. I don't think those people emerge, go and celebrate the practice of keeping animals in captivity. I just think that that is now a thing that is, whereas before it was on the radar as conflicting as per what is ethical or not. Now, I think there's almost no question. Everyone can now relate to those animals. That's Mm. a paradigm shift that is going to be accelerated by COVID for sure. That's really interesting, dude. What do you see? You know,
0: it's interesting, man. Phil, I was thinking about this and why I love talking to you so much. And, you know, we've really become soul brothers through the podcasting and through connecting through this medium. Technology, man. Technology. It's crazy. Yeah. And I feel really fortunate that we got you on hot boxing and got to do that thing in person too. And I'd love to do that, do it again with you in person at some point as well. But, you know, I was thinking about my evolution as a podcast host, as a host of, of a talk show. And I've really come to this realization where I hate the idea of interviewing people. And I really, what really gets me stoked up is to bring on people who, I really respect how their mind works, or they are experts in a specific field or have very specific ideas about certain aspects of life, and then to explore those topics with the person. And I was thinking about how on the heels of this realization, or maybe on the toes of it, because it came after having this realization uh, in the last 24 hours about myself and my evolution as this podcast host, I was like... Phil is the perfect guy to start on this kind of next level of transcendence in my own evolution as an artist, because you're exactly that, you know, we, I'm not really interested in interviewing you as much as I'm interested in exploring concepts with you.
1: And I understand f- exactly what you're saying. Cause it's almost, a, it's almost where we always go, isn't it? It's like, we could talk about what Everyone else would talk about and ask the obvious questions, and I can go through the motions and jump through the the hoops as I habitually do. Or yeah. we could just literally bounce and vibe off each other and go. And, and what happens is, I find myself my eyes rolling back in my head when I talk to you because I'm now <laughs> in that creative cortex, and I'm just like, "Oh, cool!" And I'm exploring these cool different places. Yeah, I do like. I've, and you know, the thing, your strength is your curiosity and sensibility. And that's where you will be perfect in that capacity. And that's where you on, on hot boxing, you brought that element, right? You brought that element of making it feel real to uh, the people that weren't there for the grandiose of the, of the, you know, the illusion part of it all, the sort of yeah. uh, the, the name popping and whatnot, yeah. but, but the, but the content and the heart, man. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to be sitting here virtually across from you uh, in this exact capacity. So we can do that. I'm stoked, Likewise,
0: man. Dude. Likewise, man. So in that vein, I'm curious your thoughts on this, man. Cause you, I mean, you've, you're my guy. You've gone up against the system. You've, you've completely been a warrior for truth and I'm curious your thought, what is the evolution of, the zoo what is the evolution of the aquarium what is the ethical transcendence of that of that whole world like is it safaris is it like because now and talk about also these animals to some extent have all been domesticated so it's not really like we could just set them out into the wild to fend for themselves at
1: this stage which, well, that would be the most irresponsible thing anyone would do. And it's certainly not the thing anyone that has any interest in the animal's best interest would ever advocate for. That's right. for sure. But I think uh, the evolution with zoos, and, and I think that that's going to come with with how the market – the market always decides everything. I mean, that's just Interesting. It. it. It comes down to dollars and cents. And whereas governments for, for a long time always propped up zoos. You'll notice that uh, zoos more often are um, – are governed by their uh, cities. They're often uh, they're often recipients of grants and whatnot. That it's, it's They obvious. They they very often work in symbiosis with with cities and government. Well, the governments don't have that level of funding anymore. So the zoos are going to have to they're going to have to uh, fend for themselves. And in that capacity, they're going to have to evolve. So this mm-hmm. is where the old ideas and the old infrastructures are just not going to work. The people that are going to be viable are the ones that are able to transparently show that they're that their dollars and cents are going towards conservation and that's uh, that's a tough sell because it's uh, it's just not been and uh, the people don't go work uh, don't become CEOs of zoos to make less than than the elephants make for instance. Um, and number two is it's sanctuaries it really just is the answer The answer is offering the animals a a sense of a normal life in that they're in an environment that they're able to thrive to the best of their abilities uh, under human care and most in, in obviously most of the cases, but, um, you know, we're talking about no more performances, no more training where, you know, training is, is a food deprivation, uh, uh, operation where you, you know, you starve the animals or you, or you actually break down their wills in the case of elephants that you see that in Thailand and other countries. Um, all of that is going away that I, I believe the practice of animal dominance and I very, I, re, I, I seldomly include domesticated animals. Now, zoo animals are a different story. If you cannot domesticate a bear, it's just always going to be wild. It just is. Mm. It just is such. But you know, cats over over the, over time and whatnot—that's a different story. But <clears throat> big you're cats. You're talking are big cats. No, no, I'm cats? talking domesticated small cats. That's why okay. I, I just wanted okay. to clarify that uh-huh. big cats are off the fuck. Like, forget about it. Right, no, right, not right. right. Yeah. So, in every which way, what's going to happen is those animals need to be returned to to a semblance. Of a natural life, and I think those places are going to be rewarded the most. I think the places that are looking after the best interests of the animals and putting their dollars and cents where their mouths are because right now the zoos just can 't prove it that it just it, just like every other uh legacy business, if you will uh the money flows up, and the people with the with the quietest voices are always at the bottom, and those in the case of animals are always the case
0: mm mm. It's really interesting, dude. Um you know, I've been thinking about this dude. You know, you know the work of, are you familiar with the work of John Lilly?
1: Yes, I'm familiar with the work of John Lilly.
0: <laughs> uh, and uh for anyone listening who doesn't know, check him out. John Lilly did all of this really groundbreaking research with dolphins in particular. And he was buddies with all the spiritual gurus. Like it was all coming out of this. Very spiritual uh, ethos about connecting with dolphins and understanding the the deep emotional intelligence and and spiritual intelligence of animals, and he basically came to it was completely inhumane to keep dolphins cooped up in in these these things that he he even did he did really interesting research like there was even like sex with dolphins and fucking all
1: he flooded the house right he the, flooded an apartment and with water. lived with dolphins and yes there was an assistant that came in and because the dolphins would very often be distracted because of their sexual uh urges the assistant would relieve the dolphin of those urges and then and then continue on their uh, symbiotic <laughs> journey. Uh, there was some well, weird stuff going on in there. there. Was some work with ketamine, different drugs. Some taking right. acid asp- with right. dolphins, taking LSD
0: things- and like connecting with the dolphins. He
1: wanted to communicate on a different, uh, in a different uh, um, uh, place, a different uh, uh, shit. Why am I can't think of the word? Uh, whatever, on a different plane. And uh, yeah, a different I mean, plane. I get the ideas. I get the ideas. Absolutely. And at the time, Dude. it was uh, let's go for it. But today, it's a different story. But we did get to learn a lot from it. And another cool thing that came out of John Liddy is, is uh, he invented the uh, the sensory deprivation tank. He's the one that started oh, yeah. the uh, saltwater float tanks.
0: Really interesting, man. Yeah, really interesting guy. I mean, you know, say what you will about him. It's interesting that he came to that conclusion way back when, and then we still decided to do what we do with aquariums and if you've seen fucking blackfish and tilicum and everything that they do in sea world you know animals how 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 much longer do we want to spend i mean just as a dog owner man like uh, or as a i don't even i can't even really call myself an owner like a dog person Dogs, animals are so intelligent. They're on such a different wavelength, a completely the, of the highest intelligence, you know, beyond the, the insanity of the human mind, you know, because we really, we take our intellect, which is a mind centered tool mechanism of analyzing and dissection of information is really what leads us out of the heart space and into, you know, trying to figure everything out rather than just being getting into the doing rather
1: than just the being and animals are just pure being Pure moment. Always. It's a reset of moment, reset of moment, reset of moment, instinct, instinct, instinct. Yeah. I love
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, what do we do with the big, with those big animals, those big aqueous animals, man, the whales, the dolphins, the walruses. What do we, what, you know, I mean, I guess it seems sort of intuitively simpler to establish a big plot of land and make it a sanctuary for the big cats, for the monkeys, for the, the bears, etc.
1: What do we do with the big aqueous animals? So it ex- it is currently uh, at the permitting stage in the East coast of Canada and will eventually evolve to being, uh, established on the west coast of the states, but there is a model called the Whale Sanctuary Project, where they're going to uh, erect a fenced-in cove of sorts, something on the coast, where there's you know ample water exchange, and uh, these animals can live a semblance of a free life, the dignity, they can feel the rhythm of the seas, they can, in fact, hunt on their own for the first time in a lot of their in their, in their lives. Some may very well uh, graduate to full release, but they'll all be under uh, human care. And so that's happening. And that's, I would imagine that, look, whereas the one thing you learn in life is progress is slow. It just mm. is. Yeah. And so a decade is a responsible figure for big projects. When I quit Marine Land, I would have never imagined that I would be At this point, beyond eight years of of litigation and fighting and and whatnot, I just wouldn't have imagined it. But in retrospect and and in my evolution, I come to learn that, man, a decade is nothing when it comes to change. And in fact, Mm. significant change within a decade is pretty impressive I mean, when you talk about societal changes. So the project of this magnitude takes time and it's going to be big. But there will be whales living that used to live in pools that will be returned to the sea in well, well, less than 10 years. I'm saying in 10 years, I'm talking maybe the, the eradication of, uh, of whales in captivity in North America. Maybe they'll all be in sanctuaries by then. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what what five years from now looks like, but it's happening. It's happening. That's amazing, dude. I love hearing yeah, it's that. Exciting, it's amazing it's exciting. for
0: anybody who doesn't know or isn't familiar with this story. I highly recommend a few documentaries, blackfish, the cove, which is, gut-wrenching blackfish is pretty traumatizing as well and then your movie dude the wall i know it's out and it's getting mass distribution right on discovery now today today. today today yeah
1: Today we're in the New York Times. We're in the Washington Post. I did an interview with TMZ yesterday. Imagine freaking that! I'm laughing my ass How did that, that
0: go, shit. dude? How did dude, that it's go?
1: Like, well, first off, it's because you know I, I'm a person that, as you know, I envision something and then, sure as shit, and so much of my, even I even can never get it over it. It happens. Like, yeah, it, just, it happens. It so at some point in my in my childhood. I'd imagine going down an escalator and getting mobbed by some paparazzi there, and that being sort of an awesome thing. And you know, imagine myself getting tripped up on TMZ or so. You know, you imagine it. But I guess this is the 2021 version of it. I'll take it. So next I love thing you TMZ asked me to be on. I'm just like, are you guys fucking for real? Come on! I know it's like the vanity of it is is just it's absurd. I get it's it. Hilarious. It's hilarious. But I amazing. You see me I'm laughing my ass off, right? Yeah, I can't, totally. I can't, I can't enough. It's too funny. But yeah, yeah, that's out today, dude. It's out today. Yeah, cool. I'm uh, I'm excited about it. It's. Uh, it's time, man. It's time our story to gets told, you know? Phil, yeah. Hey, dude. That's,
0: you know, Ramda. I listen to Ramdas all the time. And uh, in one of his talks, he talks about media. And he was giving this talk in the 70s. So this was way before social media. This was before the internet, all this shit. And he was really just talking about the consciousness of media at that time, because he had been asked to go on like the Dick Cavett show and Johnny Carson and do his spiritual spiel. And he would always turn it down because he said there was this inherent, um, there was an inherent bastardization or perversion of the message through the unconscious production of media. But he also said in the same talk, he said, media is such a powerful tool. It is, it is maybe the most powerful tool we have ever seen for burning off karma and for people to, because you get this, you have this experience of being able to visualize and see experiences happening and you literally get to work through the karma without actually having to do it. So There's a there's an incredible opportunity in media, Right. It's like the exercise
1: alone of being able to process that. Wow. Cool. Yeah.
0: And I think we're in the midst of that. And like, you know, of course, guys like us, we hear TMZ and we laugh our asses off. It's like, oh, my God, that that nonsense. But dude, at the end of the day. This platform is massive. They reach millions and millions of people. And Phil, for you to go on there, I thought when you posted about that, I was like, (laughs) dude, this is massive, man. And it really started, I mean, you getting on, you, you know, developing the relationship you have with Joe Rogan, you know, and him really feeling connected to the story and just bringing you on to keep telling the narrative. That was huge in itself. Um, but you know, Joe is also Joe in in a way is kind of compartmentalized to a very specific audience of, you know, men, which is great. I mean, it's super important. I think Joe is one of the foremost thinkers uh, of the 21st century and he's super important to the, to the collective consciousness. And he's been super important for me. And my development as a young man and thinking about the world and coming to terms with things, et cetera. And I think he's been that for many millions of dudes, and women, I think, to some extent, but to go to TMZ. That's like another level of exposure, man, for this story, and it's so it's fucking important, dude. I mean, yeah,
1: it's hilarious, but it's so <laughs> important, Phil. I won't lie. When they tweeted it this morning, because I actually tweeted from like the TMZ account, and it's uh, you know on Twitter again, I get I get the I get giddy as well. I see the blue check mark, and I just get giddy. And I see it says TMZ, and I'm already pinching myself, going. Did that actually happen? Like, come on, did it actually really happen? And it did. So I did have a sense, I will say this, and uh, I don't know what is speaking, perhaps ego, perhaps relief in general, perhaps. Uh, Let it be I, there, brother. Let But it Whatever it is, I should say, I do feel to a certain extent that that was a turning of a corner. Whereas mm-hmm. eight years ago, I promised Marineland that, uh, that our story would be told. I feel at the moment of that tweet when it says, when TMZ says, You've got to listen to, and they tag me, and then they promote the story, which is the story that I promised Marine that I would tell. To see that and to experience it is, dude, and, and on that thought, I just want to offer something of perspective that I feel as though you, you just said you had a revelation of sorts in the last 24 hours. I feel as though this morning I had one, and I just want to get that thought out there, and I'd like to hear yours on it. I was having a, just a candid like uh, 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 a stream of consciousness thought and conversation on on Instagram, and I thought when people ask like how do you they they say how do you how do you deal with the stress how do you deal with the stress how do you deal with the stress mm-hmm. and it's I, I have said the path that I decided to go with this was to not resist okay it was mm-hmm. to not resist and to flow because I knew that in making my decision which was a big one. Um, that things were going to be different and Mm -hmm. that I was up against a lot, but be that as it was going to be, I was not going to resist from fear. I was not going to, I was not going to be led astray. And so what I explained to everyone was I never stressed myself with the goal of achieving. I kept a steadfast focus on not being led astray. Mm. So rather than fight to make it, Mm -hmm. I fought to keep myself from not, mm. and that oh, I'm getting goosebumps and that visualization yeah. and steadfast focus every day, something else would come, something else would happen. And then suddenly do, 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 TMZ, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude. So important. What you just said that resonates with me deeply, brother. Cause I've really, um, you know, since leaving hot box which, you know, I am not gonna talk about it here because you can go and do the social media digging, of I course. Have. And yeah, of I'm course. I'm up to speed. I'm up to speed. And uh um but deciding really getting clear on my path was moving me away from that into deeper into my purpose. That's so powerful, man, when you when your purpose crystallizes in such a way that your life becomes about staying on that path and anything that's outside of that path, you just don't have time for anymore. And it's like, it's not about a goal. It's not about achieving something. It's not about anything other than the purpose The path, purpose, the purpose path that you're on, the destiny path that you're on. And so anything that comes into your life, like coming out of football, I had like infinite opportunities. Somebody was always calling me up, Eb, I've got the deal. I've got the thing, brother. We got to go do it. Let's drive out there. Let's go here. Let's meet with this person tomorrow. And we got to do it now because this is the thing. And I would do it. I'd go and I'd fucking, you know, I'd hop on all the merry-go-rounds and I'd jump ship and I would do this and I'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's the way. And I've gotten to this point now where I'm like, if it isn't in alignment with my purpose, my destiny path, I don't have time for it anymore. You know? And for you to, for you to realize that or to verbalize that I think is so is so powerful it's so important for anyone listening man because in this day and age we've transcended any restrictions we've transcended any any restrictions in what is possible now with everything being possible it's so important that you get super clear on your purpose in life you
1: just nailed it, man. Right. It, everything just lines up thereafter. And I see, and I won't call people, I won't outright say lost because I can't offer that blanket term, but I talk to a lot of people and I don't get it because I have it. So I don't get it. But but I think not having a purpose sounds like a curse. Oh, I remember that's... it because I was, I was laying on that bedroom floor making a decision. It was whether to go with my conscience and what was what was the thing that I was resisting for too long or to just allow myself to do the what was <laughs> impossible, not very possible. I feel as though when people say to me, "You are so lucky," it's like so strange because they're they're <laughs> saying lucky to be to be up against the machine. It's like, <laughs> and oddly, I am. This is what I this is what I say. I do it with a smile. They don't understand. They say, "How is it that you're not stressing?" It's because I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yes, yeah, and there's, I see that level of, of them being, like, oddly jealous of that. But I I feel that from them. There's a level of being lost. And I think that that's because mm. they got led astray from their path, which, I mean, even in the earliest childhood, I can assure you that I always wanted to be Superman. And course, uh, dude. there are moments I feel like it, dude. There are. I mean, even even from the time when I was jumping off Orcas and flying in the air, I thought that was me feeling like Superman. I was like, look, I did it, Mom. I'm I'm the Superman I always wanted to be. And then I'd realize, uh, oh, wait a second, that's, uh, that's, that's very skin deep. Uh, there's the greater depths to Superman than than jumping in the air really high. Uh, you know what I- Phil, and yet here
0: you are. you're that complete manifestation of your visualization as a little kid. It just looks it, yep. it just looks a little different than that initial perception, but you've materialized into that
1: being. Like the Uber man. uh, Isn't that Nietzsche? The Uber man? I said it on on Rogan. I said, you know, there's something about knowing your childhood self would be proud. And I know you could for sure understand what that means, too. Even through the the trials and tribulations and and obviously the unveiling of the reality of what is life. I mean, obviously the NFL loses its glitz and glamour when you're in it. Because you understand it more, it's, it can be said to the same when it comes to animal training. It's like, look from from across the pool, this looks like something else, but from inside, I understand it a little bit more than you. So the you know the 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 grandioseness of it is 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 out, like it's it's gone, it's been filtered. And so in that capacity, we understand that things are always a little bit different. But there's something about still having making still making your childhood self proud that even. i'm 43 next next month and i know that that is just something that i hold very dear man because he's still there he's still there he's always there
0: oh phil there's so much good shit in that dude because i i totally when you say you're doing the the performance with the orcas and you're fucking flying through the air and feeling that that sense of accomplishment that you set out to be as a child and then having the revelation that that wasn't the thing that was just the skin deep uh uh you know rendition of that feeling that was the exact same thing for me of playing in the nfl here i am i became this warrior i'm the warrior man i fucking made it onto the gridiron i'm the gladiator i always dreamed i was gonna be But it's not, it's not the heart centered fulfillment that I imagined it would be. And now here I am living out my truth, my heart truth. And I think that's living on my destiny path. Like you're saying, that's kind of the missing link. You know, that's the thing that is the being the Superman, being the superwoman is living from the heart space on your destiny path. And then sometimes...
1: And sometimes the most difficult thing is breaking from that identity, from being able to identify yourself as that. Because for forever you had this goal, and then having achieved it, now you're supposed to play the role forever more of it being made, and that's it. The rules are such and stated that you made it, and you're supposed to now, with regardless of whether you're carrying a burden of sorts, you're supposed to be there for the, the both being celebrated of, and you're supposed to. And it's like, wait a second, man. It's like, wait a second, there's just more to this. There is a next level. So you have to break from that. And that's what takes the courage is to break yourself from that identity that had been raised and put on on such a plane that when you made it, people want to hold on so long. But you know what Mm -hmm. happens? That's holding on to a job that you hate for too long just to be able to say you're a teacher, lawyer, whatever it is. That's holding on to a relationship too long that's been toxic for too long. But you're holding on so that you have that familiarity and comfort with despite it. That identity of being mm. in that thing that was a goal.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The reset button's a fucking tough one to push, man.
0: Very, dude. It's
1: painful as fuck. That's it's the goal. Painful. That's that's the beauty of it, isn't that the inherent beauty of change? Is is Absolutely. as ugly and scary as it is as running into the fire, man? There's nothing like like coming oh. out reborn, eh?
0: Totally, brother. Absolutely, man. Um. The other thing that I think is really interesting to explore in this Phil is what and me may, and maybe you just hit it on the head you you might I think you you probably you, you just hit it on the head. what about all the people who are doing that job that you used to do that are just totally bought in or maybe they're not bought in Maybe they you know how do you? You can't unsee things. You can't unknow things. And once you've crossed that cross that boundary, and like for you, you had a very clear moment of lying on the floor in your bedroom or wherever it was, and you're like, I can't do this anymore. I have to go with I have to I'm gonna step with courage into my heart's truth. And I can't be dishonest with my spirit about what's happening here and what i have to do. There's a lot of people in the world fucking whale trainers, banker, all kinds of shit who are going on living life being completely dishonest with themselves. How do you do that? What how do we how can we understand that purpose and maybe it's just like what you said, maybe it's just too painful. It's too painful to extricate yourself from the identity.
1: Does that not resonate with everything being about the fear of death? Because don't you mm. feel as though once you break yourself from your identity, the Ugh. fear is that you'll either be be it forgotten or lost or whatever it is that you yourself don't have, you're losing a part of you that you were holding on to, which meant being alive. Mm. I attribute all of my fears to that of the fear of death. I just do, deep down, I've I've known it. I've been shaken to the core with change. I'm that guy who doesn't like change. I I held on to that job too long. And it Mm. was for fear of losing that identity. The guy jumping off the whale, that was some good stuff back when I was doing it. You know, these were, and I had the walrus, of course. I had all these, you know, I had this cool, it's like the idea of breaking away from that was very difficult, but it was my ego holding on to that. That Mm. could not have lasted forever, whether I liked it or not. My evolution was such that, I was being torn from there and I could resist it all I wanted, but that meant li- living in hell. But man, there's just something about misery likes company. And, and, and there's something that there's, there's something in the psyche and, and psychology of, uh, I don't want to call it a, a perpetual victimhood, but there's something about there's some comfort in misery. It's odd. And I think that that's a, a toxic addiction of sorts. And I think that, It's, uh, Mm. I I think that it's also uh, contagious and because misery likes company, people like to get drawn in. And this is where I also caution people. Sometimes you have to watch the intentions of even your staunchest supporters because even they, and sometimes even unconsciously may lead you astray. And if, if you're steadfast in your focus, man, it's work with me or work without, it just is. And too often or not, you find your, even your most staunchest supporters are working for themselves too. They just are. Absolutely. And it's not a bad thing. It's not I'm not saying no, that it's no. necessarily a bad thing. I'm saying in all relationships, if you're not taking as well as giving, then you're you're completely being used. So you have to have there's there's a there's a give uh, and take it thing. It just is. Dude, I did this
0: I did this podcast a few weeks ago. And uh this this thing came out of me and it, it was it's easier to be a victim than it is to take accountability for your life you know it's just it's easier it's easier to play the victim card because it's easier to say i can't do it because that person it's that situation this thing who i am where i was born whatever the circumstance is it's easier to say it's their fault that's why i can't do it rather than go you know what I have the fucking power to do
1: whatever the fuck
0: it is I want to do in this, in this life. You know? I, uh,
1: I use the example of when I was trying to get off my, uh, my brain meds is what I call it, but it's the uh, antidepressants and whatnot. Oh, Every yeah. time I'm trying to get off, despite the fact that my doctor, uh, when putting me on, I, I, you know, I had him assure me that it wasn't addictive. I didn't want to be forever more <laughs> reliant on these things. And he assured me that and I said, okay, well, let's give it a try. And then, sure as shit, when I go to get off, am I getting electrocuted between my ears and my eyeballs are crunching every time I look left, right? And I would run back to the medicine cabinet. I would run back to the medicine cabinet rather than go through that to get off. Mm. And then I did. And then I found marijuana. Thank you very much. Prohibition Farms. Yeah. If you're in Canada, enter code love Phil that. at checkout. Fifteen percent free delivery. <laughs> I love <laughs> so, that, Phil. But- <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that is—it's the same. It's that whole misery. Uh, there's something about the comfort and discomfort of change, and and just that that sort of analogy of running back to the medicine cabinet instead of finding, in my case, an alternative, but taking, uh, going through the pain instead. Mm. It can be said in in a physical rehab. It can be said in spiritual rehab. In all of it, it, it you have to face the fire. It just is. Uh
0: it's it's part of the it's part of the human experience dude it's part of the beauty it's the yin and yang of life it can't all be fucking happy go lucky and good and
1: that's why there are people
0: good and feel
1: that's why people are stressing that they're unfulfilled to me they're saying phil you're so lucky it's so crazy how can you say that you're sitting you're sitting in an apartment eating a tv dinner and watching tv and i mean you have it all don't you like no i don't it's like turns out you don't hmm how about that They lied to you, man. Oh, my God, Phil. Phil, have you read the Bhagavad Gita? I I have to admit that I'm not. And this is something that I need to address more. But I don't read very much very often. Mm-hmm. And that is because I admittedly I don't have a very long attention span. And my words start doing this. and I just I have that thing. So, I mean, that's I, all good. man. Yeah, I intend yeah. to. I intend to. But no, the answer is no, I haven't. I'll say that I will, or I'll say that I want to, but I probably won't. But please
0: tell me. (laughs) No, no. I mean, honestly, I I bring it up, and you don't even have to read it because your life is the Bhagavad Gita, which is basically, which is leading me into my uh, my next curiosity with you is the Bhagavad Gita is all about Arjuna is on the battlefield and... He's talking to his chariot driver and he's like, I can't fucking do this. I'm about to go to war with my, with my family. Those are my cousins over there from the other clan. There's going to be too much blood spilled. I can't fucking do this anymore. I'm tired of this. There's no need to fight. And his chariot driver transforms into Krishna, the God of all gods, the Hindu God of all gods. And Krishna goes, basically goes, no motherfucker. You're going to pick up that sword and you're going to fight because this is your, this is your Dharma. This is your destiny path in this life and have no fear about the blood that's spilt. We change these, we change our physical bodies. The way we change clothes, our spirit just sheds this body and goes into the next lifetime. And it's this is goosebumps dude. Goosebumps. Yeah. And this is our, this is your duty. This is your life duty to fight this fight. And like with you, man, I mean, when you start talking about your destiny and being in alignment with your purpose, 100% and you think about the trials and tribulations of you going up against a corporation like Marineland and the fucking constant harassment of lawyers and all the shit that you deal with. It's like, how do you, well, I, this whole conversation has been the answer to this question, but you know, when you think about that or not think about it, your spiritual because your spiritual destiny is unfolding moment by moment in the physical realm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? And like when people say to you, how do you not get stressed? How do you feel? You're so lucky. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. It's so hilarious. You're so lucky. Like what? What do you mean? I'm lucky. Luck is like so jealous of me, bro. I'm like
1: jealous of me. What, do you yeah, mean? what? <laughs> like, what are you? Nuts! You can be me. Go do something crazy. It's not hard. <laughs> what Man, do you I don't do? Know. Like what do Honestly, you do?
0: I think well, we've talked about this every time we've hung out. But what? Like what? What are the things you do to just kind of keep yourself in the balance? Or keep yourself from just totally spiraling out because I guess you know, and maybe maybe the fear, maybe the anxiety, maybe the darkness is all. You nailed it. It's all a manifestation of doubt, doubt, and not feeling, not being in alignment
1: with your with your truth. I don't know. And the the odd thing is, it's the thing that I can't explain because everyone wants an answer in that. Well, I eat this or I do this many steps a day. I do have this regimented thing that that's the answer that that is like the answer, the antidote to stress, but it, it, you know, we're all different. It just is. I, I, here's what became of me. I was a, uh, I guess in comparison to where I am now a little bit more overweight, I've always been uh, you know, my brain's always gone like this, a super creative guy, but maybe, maybe full of too many illusions, whatever it be. But somehow, <laughs> somehow I have been blessed with an odd shield that the stress as as much as it hits and it does, and you know, there's holes in doors here. There's holes in doors. It's like this, this has been a long eight years. <laughs> but there's something that happens after I endure the stress, that first wave. And there's something about sleeping on decisions, there's something about not being immediately reactive that mm. once you see past once the unveil and the, the and the information is processed and filtered properly. You get to realize that it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's politics, and it's talking, and it's words, and it's this and that. You can't fucking touch me, man. You can't touch me. Marineland thought they could touch me, but they can only touch me with words, pen strokes, pictures, whatever the PR releases. they they, They can do all that stuff. They cannot touch me here as long as I just stay steadfast, focused, and just, I mean, at the end of the day, I somehow it turns to this courage that I'm winning. They're fighting so hard. They're doing what they're doing. And that feeling that I'm getting is because I'm doing that to them more and more and more. So this feeling I got to give to them. So I can't hold on to this. I'm too busy giving this to them.
0: Mm, Powerful dude. What is there just, you know, for the sake of the conversation, what has been their stance on everything is it just that you're an insane person who's pissed off about being fired or or you know is that <laughs> you're a disgruntled employee who's just trying to defame them is that their stance or do they so, say anything about the well-being of
1: the animals no, like the, the the entirety of the lawsuit it's it's a slap suit it's a strategic lawsuit against public participation they'd hope to keep my voice out of Uh, creating a narrative around the care of the animals, around creating laws and, you know, they didn't want for anyone to know anything. So everything that they've said narrative-wise, I can give you a million examples, is just fiction. I mean, so what they've said is that I uh, plotted this elaborate scheme to steal a walrus, Smooshy, of course, that I trespassed on the property, which I've, I mean... (laughs) I mean, that's not hard to prove. Show me a picture, a video. You've had eight years, but of course I never did. Um, <laughs> you know, they now they're saying, well, this is this is actually crazy. We've just uh, uh, come tomorrow. But anyways, there'll be, some, there'll be some breaking news in the coming weeks because we did go through a motion. And mariland is now attesting that or uh, saying that my defense of their now, I mean, at this point, it's just. It's such a bust. The, the lawsuit is based on credibility, and it's all lost because they've had eight years to prove anything they can't. We all, it's transparently abusive lawsuits, all bullshit. But now their latest is that my defense of their lawsuit is an abusive process because I want a walrus <laughs> and that I've caused them, wait for it, I've caused them libel chill that I've made this lawsuit go exponentially longer than it needed to. And that because I'm funded, uh, I should not see any, um, uh, that my life's not been compromised because people are, you know, I have a GoFundMe, they say that I'm living this lavish lifestyle and uh, and that that they haven't defamed me because my life got better. And that my defending their lawsuit is an abusive process. So they're now actually complaining that by virtue of their abusive lawsuit failing, that their failings, I should not. Ha- they should not have to pay for by consequence because I've benefited. <laughs> Imagine this. Anyways, they're they're running in circles at this point. Their position is muddy the waters of debate at all opportunities. Spend the monies where you can so that you can influence uh, public policy. Uh, do the PR machine thing that you can. They learn very quickly that. Handing me the mic and giving me attention was the biggest mistake they could do. Yeah. So the more they yeah, sent out PRs yeah. about me being crazy, the more people got curious, talked to me and realized, oh, shit, he's rational. Oh, yeah. no, the zoo is lying.
0: Right, right, dude. That's amazing, <laughs> man. I love. That's fucking amazing. So they never, ever try to uh, retort on the well-being of the animals. It's all just
1: about you. No, they were charged with multiple counts of animal cruelty, and they sued the government agency that uh, that charged them. Oh, that tells you everything, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That no, no. This is—it's not just my lawsuit. Bear in mind, my, I'm the sole survivor at this point. But there was an, there was there was in excess of 12 lawsuits, all journalists, all magazines, and uh, podcasts, and all places that would. That would allow me to speak and if you interacted with me and marine land knew in advance they would threaten you and that you they would sue you i mean it's all well documented i mean there, there's eight years of history of this but no it's just been transparently abusive and uh unfortunately for Marineland and unfortunately for me i've survived it and i want them to be accountable for what they've done so i just want to go to trial it's just really that simple i mean at no point did they say to me um you know, Phil, uh, here's a million and a half dollars to you have to go away, because I'm, I'm actually suing them for abusive process for to the tune of one and a half. But it should be noted that here in Ontario, those, those figures are never they never happen in civil litigation. Those are just big, scary numbers. They sued me for that figure. So we just bounced it back at them. It's kind of a big joke. But it did allow me to have a hand in in using the judicial system to, you know, give them hard negotiations, and everything else. But when they say something to the effect of well, he's uh, abusing the process because he wants a walrus. He won't uh, negotiate with us with you know monies and stuff. It's just like, well, I sued you for a million and a half. I'll just sit here at this end and be a dum-dum and pretend like that's what I may get in court, knowing full well that I'll probably get less than Marineland will ultimately offer me to not go to court. But I want to go to fucking trial, man. I'll skip out on whatever monies that may that may represent. Like mm-hmm. I want. I want to survive this thing so that any other corporation that has any other, uh, that is incentivized by abusing the courts may think twice and that there will be precedence in the courts. Because here's the other tough part. And my lawyer stressed this to me a long time ago, but I was just that idiot kid who just wouldn't, you know, I just had that steadfast focus. And he said, you know, proving an abusive process lawsuit is difficult. And there's not a lot of examples of it because nobody survives. You have to survive a decade of abuse. And we're talking to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars, stress that, Phil, you're not going to understand. I mean, litigation kills people. Some lawyers, the good, get out of civil litigation because they see what happens to people. People die from the stress, man. It kills people. Uh-huh. So it's a very stressful thing. And so when I've explained all this, I just say, well, that's not going to be because I have the truth and they don't. Well, it turns out it is going to be. It's going to take me 10 years, but I am going to be that guy. And I wanted on Marineland to have that blemish on in their, in their legacy that they went down on the ball of flames uh, as, as a big embarrassment to society
0: yeah yeah that's amazing dude i mean you know it's their it, it's, it's
1: their own undoing i mean let's be honest i'm just right, a vessel right of their car of their karmic sort of release they, they've asked for this and i'm just i'm just happy to abide totally man yeah it's uh it's karma it's just karma in action
0: i got the um, best seat
1: That's all it is. I'm just a witness. I keep stressing it. I'm really just a witness. I haven't had to make any decisions. I just sit down and I watch everyone else support me. And at the end, you know, I've been, I've hung on by the skin of my teeth. I've been on my heels to the tune of like lots of money of, of, you know, no prospect of getting it back. And then suddenly I get an invite to Rogan or something. It's always just been through this again steadfast, steadfast focus and, and, and faith, if you will, that in the 11th hour, man, when that heart is beating to the point where you think (laughs) it's going to stop, There goes the next level. Okay. We graduated (laughs) again. What, how can it be? But we did, we do, we do, we do, we do.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. Dude. It's so true man. um, do you know people? I mean, obviously, you know, the sort of, you you've developed an, an interesting relationship with the people who you're in these back and forth, these legal back and forths with, but do you know any of the trainers still? Do you know any of the people? No, 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 no,
1: no, nothing. It's been a turnover and it's been a methodic one. Uh, Marineland released all of their managers. They got rid of everyone. There isn't a person there that can actually, there might be two remaining people that can attest to ever having seen me on that property. And been like, was that the guy? I mean, we're not talking about, uh, we're not -hmm. talking about a place that still looks anything like what I left. It was a full yeah, no, they abandoned any any prospect of my getting anyone in the legal box to interview, to to interrogate to anything else. They got rid of them so fast and far. I, oh, mean, there's, I, I will say this. I will say this. I believe there's more to what is going on in the um, in the business dealings with Marineland than than meets, than is mere animal abuse. There may be something more being protected there, just based on the ferocity of which they fight. This isn't about business viability anymore. This is something else the original owner who was, you know, a vengeful dude. And, and, you know, albeit, you know, you'll, you we can all paint them as evil, but I, I, I related to the man. I did. Sure. But that was his dream. That was his legacy. That was his everything. He sure. dead. He's, he's gone. Oh, you know, okay. like, uh, he's been gone two years now. It's uh, it's, it's the elder wife. Who's like 70 plus years old who inherited this business that she knows nothing of. And then there's an owner or rather there's a lawyer who's basically operating the entirety of the business. And I didn't want to say it, but, you know, just – he's the Federal Reserve. He's the Federal Reserve. He's got access to the – fourth. you know what I mean? He's got personal access to the to the equivalent of the Federal Reserve. He's doing what he does. And, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot going on there. I don't want to say too much, but it, it is uh, – we, we well, scratched that, where it stinks. You know, we scratched where it stinks.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, man. Isn't that – it's really interesting. I will liken that to the NFL – and the concussion and CTE issue. Right, right. It's yeah. like, why don't what what is the harm in just acknowledging what it is and then working to make an amends on it? Why why is that so difficult to the point where you're literally denying guys concussion settlements? You're employ you you refuse to acknowledge this issue. Doesn't it? It just seems easier. It seems the path of least resistance. I mean, like you, dude, I mean, my whole life has been about being like water and going with the flow. And, you know, you would think that a a billion dollar corporation, like the NFL could, you could totally survive and even amplify your, your image and your visibility, especially in this day and age to go, you know what? We actually care. We actually give a fuck. It's not all about money. So let's do what we can to fix this issue. That's very real. And, and people are starting to call attention to rather than just c- continue to fight it and to fucking say, no, it doesn't exist. And didn't de- deny, deny, deny. Like, why is that? It's, and it's like, I think it's now, you said. There's, now there's something below the surface. That's,
1: more. Sinister. And now I want to liken I want to liken you to a zoo animal because, in the same capacity that corporations at the top make the big monies and don't, and again, it it's as such. So the bottom, with no voice, they're the ones that 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 really that get the less, the least. Now, bear in mind times have changed media and what has changed now and whatnot has changed now that a player, even a former player, such as yourself, you are a media, you are, you are media in and of yourself. So you're able to now speak of it. There was a time when the NFL can control the message. And those are the dinosaurs at top with the money. They didn't see the changing world. They didn't see that this was going to be an issue that would be eventually uncovered by virtue of, you know, more amplified voices, more access to media, more this, more that. And so that's the fight of any legacy business. Whereas mm. old ideas have to essentially die for a new manifestation of what will be a viable business. So I'm with you. It just seems if you see the light, you can mitigate the losses immediately. Lawsuits and all this stuff and, and trying to fight to keep the truth out. It's like, whoa, how about we acknowledge, work with, adapt, and uh, come up with something viable and keep you people rich? Like, it's not hard. We can do this. But not by denying the, the, the obvious and the unavoidable. It's unavoidable that this comes up. You have too many people walking around hurt. It's just a matter of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why don't, why
0: why don't, well, I guess that's, that's also a, that's a a microcosm of the individual experience where how often, how much throughout our own lives are we going to deny the pain points and do everything we can to avoid dealing with the thing that's uncomfortable or hurts us before we hit the wall and say, okay, I surrender. You're right. You know, inner spirit, you're right. I just have to go through this thing, walk through it and deal with it. And so that I can get to the
1: other side. That's the problem with corporations is that they are, they have uh, personhood in, in, in legalities to a certain extent, Mm. but they are all, suffer from the worst mental health problems if they were humans so if true. any of these corporations were humans they were they're mass murderers and they're everything else so don't expect them <laughs> oh to get the conscience God, dude
0: <laughs> right what a, what a metaphor there bro you're so right on you're so right on they are the mass murderers they're the fucking serial killers of the world personified yeah, you're not gonna
1: get their you're not going to get their consumable their conscious vote you're always going to get them doing what it is to the to the best so that benefits them the most at the at the greatest cost of the of the of the people with the, sh- the the with the quietest voices i just want to touch one more point about where i said that i wanted to liken you and as a product of the nfl to, for instance an animal at the zoo dude Boy. it's almost metaphorically uh, exact really oh, you're totally, used till you're no longer used uh, useful and then they try to bury you. they try to bury you. make yeah. you go away very quietly as if you never existed in some cases as if yeah. you never existed Oh, absolutely. If they could have, they would have all named you Shamu. That way they didn't have to replace, they could have replaced <laughs> you without anyone knowing, right? Right, exactly, dude. Shamu passes um, the ball, Shamu. You know, dude, another thing like, I, I want to mention is yesterday I said something, I was just too funny. I just want to say it, but we were just talking and needed some guys and stuff, and I'm just like, look, I'm a fullback. I'm a fullback for the truth. That's just totally it. I'm just, dude. I'm just there to put my shoulder down and run, repeated, repeated, and whatever's left of me at the end, as long as the truth can make it to the fucking paint, I'm happy.
0: Oh my God, dude. So true. No, the zoo animal thing. That's so, I mean, it's, it's so right on point. I mean, we talked about, we talk about all the time. The combine is a, is a complete meat market. It's <laughs> exactly. a cattle call, dude. Crazy. We're, we're literally being inspected. Like we're animals. Yeah.
1: They're, they're checking your meat. Yeah. How's the meat?
0: <measured> they do a fucking <laughs> measurement of like your pinky to your Jesus thumb and Jesus. your reach and all this Jesus shit God. it's like literally you can't even it's it's it is a literal analogy it's a pageant of, yeah it's a complete meat market dude um Oh, man. Uh, God damn it. There was something else I wanted to say in what you just said, dude. Oh, the
1: combine is a meat market, the analogy of you as a zoo, you know, ultimately as a zoo animal product.
0: Oh, oh, well, you know, my wife is part of this Facebook group of uh, wives of the NFL. It's called wives of the NFL, and it's all of these women who are wives of former players, and they're all just sharing information, man. It's a beautiful resource and community. And these women are sharing gut-wrenching stories about what their husbands are going through. Like, I feel, talk about finding your purpose, man. I feel so blessed to, for whatever reason, because I, I totally see how in my path out of football, I could have very easily gone down one of these roads you know of addiction and you know you get you get lost in the pills you get lost in the identity of being a football player which is laced with shame and guilt on the individual level as the player because when you come out of your football career literally every conversation you have is like why did you quit why aren't you still playing you're still young you can still do it blah blah blah, you know and These women, they all talk about, because they're all in lawsuits with the league. They're all trying their asses off to get the benefits. And and the NFL makes you jump through hoop after hoop to get the disability benefits and shit. And the wives have a saying. They say, the NFL, what they do is delay, deny, hope they die. Delay, deny, hope they die. Just wait till the guy's dead, and then we don't have to deal with it anymore, and we don't have to pay him any money, etc. And it's like, dude, why the fuck is this your Someone,
1: approach? someone crunched the numbers. That's why. Exactly. That was it. Someone man. crunched the numbers. It came down to numbers, and they said, "Oh, here's what we do. Okay, let's do that for ten years and see how it works." Right, dude.
0: You said it at the beginning. It all comes down to dollars and cents. It's what does the market say. You know, and until people stop watching football games because they're horrified at the, the human welfare uh, negligence of the NFL. I was <laughs> like, we don't give a fuck, dude. What, you guys are brain dead coming out of your careers?
1: That's not our fault. That's the Coliseum. I mean, there's intrigue. There's intrigue in battle. There's intrigue in watching other people uh, get into accidents. There's yeah. uh, there's just this inherent something about about seeing everything for face and skin value only. There's something about not going deeper that is comfortable, and that's just the same facade as watching a uh, orca jump and say yeah. woo woo woo, or watching yeah. one smash into a a, a wall, a car. I mean that NASCAR. Mm. Say, I mean, say what you will, there isn't a single fan out there. That doesn't love a good crash of course they want to watch the walk watch everyone walk away but that's an inherently very dangerous and awful thing but there isn't a fan out there i won't tell you that it triggers excitement it just does and it sells you need the element you need that danger if you take the danger away from everything it's not as exciting
0: totally dude it's really i mean it's a it's a primal it's a deep thing it's a deep you know we have this bloodlust we still have this bloodlust man like we really, we really get high on violence, and it. it obvi- I mean, we're animals, dude. We're fucking animals. We're the human animal. You know. I don't got to I
1: mean? tell you what it feels like to score <laughs> to score points against Marineland, and to know that it's like hurting them. It's like, Come yeah, more. It sounds weird, but it's like I get something from that. That isn't that is innate. That I don't deny myself. It is what it is. Aggression lives, and savagery is real and lives. And we can deny ourselves all we want. I mean, look, life is about controlled restraint and being, uh, and 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 ultimately being uh, in control of yourself. That's that is the, that is the ultimate pursuit. It is just to be in complete control of yourself at all times, and and to be like water, like you say, and reflective, and everything else, and not be reactive. But there is something about there's something innate about, uh, about, uh, conquering things and, and defeating things and witnessing it. There's just something yeah. about it. Well,
0: I think, you know, it's one of the things I think is so important about a guy like Joe Rogan, um, is that how do we exercise that very real need that really it's a, I think it's a spiritual need, sexuality or sexuality, our primal need for or thirst for violence, how do we exercise that in a way that is conducive to furthering a state of well-being? Because I think we can have both. I think we can have both. I think there's ways that, and sports maybe are are a great example of that, you know, sports Sports in in particular.
1: particular. You know. I need sports. I need hockey, man. And my, my therapist back when when uh, I was seeing a therapist many years ago encouraged me to stay in hockey. And uh, there was something about going in the battle, whether it be a person that was on your team the year before that you were best friends with or a guy you would eventually become best friends with. Either way, there was something about going in the corner, corners and smashing each other up and then having that beer after that just felt good. It oh, just, boy. there's something about it. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we are all we all have it. You can deny yourself it altogether, but yep. that's like, you now, serenity. Now you're going to wind up doing something stupid, maybe putting holes yes. in your wall. Yes, it exactly, dude. But I think the exercise of both, for sure, exercise, sport, these things, you have to compete, and especially against yourself. It doesn't have to be against someone else. You can compete against yourself. It's as simple as going for a run. And, dude, I can't say enough how much exercise has helped me. When people say, what have you done? I, again, I was blessed with the answers because they they just happened to fall into place. But, you know, I was I, I'm a mailman when I'm not as hobbled as I am, and I'm I'm not a mailman because this was my uh, this was my career pursuit. I'm a mailman because in my survival mode of going job to job to job and just trying to keep this thing going, I found that thing that that benefits me mentally, spiritually, physically. I mean, I'm walking 18 to 23 kilometers a day, so be it like almost 10 miles, and man, my the message in my brain changes all of a sudden, like being out in the in and, and breathing the air and, and all this stuff man that changes a person it does exercise i can't say it enough for me yeah. especially i've got that mind that goes like this dude my body turned changed i used to be like slightly overweight dude you wouldn't know it that i'm I'm shredded now and i'm not yeah, really super exercising lean and
0: mean. yeah yeah
1: i'm just i'm just i, I just, man, Phil, I just walk. i'm walking man So
0: i have to acknowledge the profundity of you being a mailman your, you like your job your job is literally delivering messages to people
1: it's dude, amazing when there was a time in old time france and paris that they gave the artists brooms and their job was to sweep the streets and the artists loved it yeah. dude you can't take this job away from me i'm just walking around oh, and i'm dude. just i just i'm out there yeah like you say the metaphor of delivering the news and stuff and here's something yeah, what about those people who are watching my documentary and then They see me walking across their front lawn and they're just like, what? And that happened a lot, you know, in the summer. I love uh, that, dude. It was quite an experience. You're like, wait a second, wait, what?
0: (laughs) That's so powerful, man. That's so powerful, Phil. Um, Well, shit, dude. I think that, that, that's just seals it right there. You're the mailman. (laughs) You're the, <laughs> I'm, you're the, I'm, I'm here to deliver <laughs> you're here to deliver brother and that's it you're living your destiny path and it's such a great lesson for everyone listening because that's to me man that's like that's what we all that's the purpose of life is to find your purpose and live it to the fullest and be it you know like whatever that means whatever it means tap into
1: your purpose live that
0: and that's I would the suggest the most important thing we can do with
1: our And time. I would suggest allowing yourself time and experience so that you can filter out what is not needed so that you can realize what is true and what is not because too often you think and you fight for what you believe to be a purpose because you believe that's where the fulfillment is and you're ultimately denying yourself that path where instead of going for something try maybe not resisting what is coming to you. <sighs> Phil, I love mushrooms, man. <laughs> <laughs> Phil,
0: dude, that's so true. I've been thinking that myself. I said it the other day. I said it the other day, man. 90 and it may be 100% of the time, 100% of the time, the things that I'm trying to make happen or the things that I think are supposed to be the things that I've got to do, always end up falling apart. And the shit that the universe just brings to me has always been the path. Always. 100% (laughs) of the time. And Let me ask you this. Let me throw this on there, Phil, and I think you'll appreciate this. There are times where it might feel like the thing the universe brought you is a complete waste of time
1: is exactly what I was going to touch on, bro.
0: Yes, but that thing is preparing you for the thing that's coming next or that you're supposed to be doing.
1: Let me ask you this. How many times have you thought, oh, shit, this is the end, or, oh, shit, this thing, and then, dude, here you are, and you're doing great. Look, at you're good, and I'm good, man, and every which way that I've ever been thought, oh, no, this is the one. I go through and I'm just like, wasn't the one The fuck, there man. You know. I mean, you know. That bullshit thinking it was the one and on the path just my eyes were this way what the fuck was I thinking I didn't know yep
0: yep it's so true man oh it's so true it's so important it's it's beautiful dude it's beautiful to have that be able to have that insight and understand and see that and have clarity around that
1: you know if you don't come out of hell with the lesson, you're going to have to go back and get it.
0: Oh, dude, fuck. Dude, <laughs> dude, you're the fucking Phil. You're you're a fucking sage, brother. That's why you be
1: t-shirts or something.
0: Yeah, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> um dude, so awesome, man. I I would love to. I mean, hopefully I would love to one day just get to just hang out and have a beer with you uh, in person. Dude,
1: I got to get you back. I got to get you into Canada. I've, I've stressed it before. I've got a place. I'm here. on waterfront. I've got a uh, apartment that is independent of the home I live in that I, I rent out. And, you know, we got a dock there. Dude, let's, let's, let's do that. Down, let's bro. do this there. You know, let's sit on the water and
0: just. Oh, totally. We're yeah, going to do, do it.
1: Happen.
0: We're going to Bring do your it. family. Let's do this. Fuck yeah, dude. You're the man. Um, Phil. Phil. I always appreciate you, brother.
1: Dude, likewise. This is always like um, the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, always, I always just to feel put so much it better. Simply,
0: to put it simply, it is the best, man. It's super cathartic. It's therapeutic. It's, it's, fun, it's fun as hell. It's really interesting.
1: And we preserve it properly, don't we? We just preserve it right that when it's time for us to get together, it's just always right.
0: Yeah, totally. You know? Totally, dude. Um, Well, before I let you go, dude, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and where they can watch the new doc.
1: I'm uh, walrus Whisper on Twitter and Instagram documentary in the U S is currently on Amazon prime and discovery plus in the UK, Amazon prime in Canada. It's coming to CBC, but I think it's on iTunes and elsewhere Uh, on December 12th uh, in Canada at 9 p.m. on CBC as part of the Nature of Things documentary there's a new documentary coming that focused on my fight with uh, with MarineLand and that's uh, that will that will be played it's called The Last Walrus and that's going to be broadcast national on the 12th um, mm. yeah you can visit savesmooshy.com if you want to uh, join the fight of course because you know I am ultimately supported by a uh, fundraiser because my legal bills are you know pretty impressive <laughs> <laughs> And uh, beyond that, I, I, I do have a slight urgence that I give people, and not because I have, not because I make anything from it, only because they're just right. They treat me right. And I know I have people of the similar ilk that like to hear the hot tips, and here's one, and I'm just going to drop this plug again. Prohibition Farms, listen, if you're in Canada, Canada, Canada weed is legal, man. And uh, the problem is there's these dispensaries, and it's government-run, and you go to them, and you're paying too much. It's just not right. I'm here to lead you back on the proper path. Go to prohibition farms, order yourself the finest herb, my good God, and enter code Phil and you say 15%. I just, listen, I just want to help people. That's it. 15% free delivery. I just want to, I just want people to smoke the best weed, you know, so we can uh, continue trying to make the best world. A thousand percent brother. A
0: thousand percent. I'll be sure. I'll put that in the show notes so people can just click right through. So it's in Canada, in Canada, you can either go to a dispensary or you can order it directly from a grower.
1: Wait, you can okay. order it directly from a grower and it'll get to your front door and you'll take it from your friendly postman <laughs> yeah, and you'll yeah. it'll go into your house. Uh, but there's probably some gray area consideration, but um, well, you're okay. not a bandito. You won't be a bandito. You'll be fine. It's, there's, no, there's not gray enough to put any ink on anything. So order, 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 and get it. But yeah, uh, you know, the government in, in regulating and everything, they sort of took it out of the hands of the uh, out of, uh, of, of, of what should have been established by the market. The market uh-huh. should determine what people want and what they want to pay and everything else. So I think it's coming. The government blew it a little bit. I'm just trying to save people a little bit of money, and their search is over. I can only assure you that the weed is like frosty. Oh, dude, you can ski on this stuff. can <laughs>
0: Smell it from here.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: amazing, brother. Dude, you're the man. I love you tons, man. And, uh, you know, obviously, I can't wait till we get to hang out in person. Let's do this again, brother. Yeah, man. All right, bro. Uh, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. Uh, always love hanging with my brother, Phil. Check out everything he is doing. If you are interested in supporting me in this show, as you do by listening, you can rate it, review it, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also now check me out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain to get more, more ebb and flow content, y'all. Lots of love to you guys. Thank you so much until next
1: time. I'm out of here. Peace.